I'm talking with uh, Madison Cawthorn. Madison Cawthorn, who, a young man who is a candidate uh, in the GOP primary, runoff primary for Congress from North Carolina's 11th District. Uh, Madison, uh, let me go back for a minute to how you were raised. I understand that you were homeschooled. Uh, yes, I was. I, I would say that I had a very classical education. Uh, it was one that I, I, you know, it was it was heavy on reading, heavy on philosophy. Um, but you know, it being homeschooled. One thing that I really loved about that is it taught me a, this curiosity. It taught me this ability to be able to teach myself to to take a book to understand what it says, but also to critically consider what I'm reading uh, to make sure that what I'm reading is true and that and, and understanding where it comes from and. You know, I think that's something that's lost a lot on so much of our population. Uh, I was talking earlier about how I believe that armed citizenry is necessary to a republic, but I believe Thomas Jefferson was pontificating one time on the fact that also an educated populace, uh, an, uh, a populace that is uh, aware of current events, that is aware of how a government is supposed to be ran, is extraordinarily important. And I've got to tell you, I, I see in our public school systems today a system that does not really teach our history and doesn't really teach our government. And I believe that that's why we have so many Americans, especially under the age of 40 in my generation, that are not truly understanding what makes America so special and why it's worth protecting, why it's worth fighting for. Well, Madison, why do you think that happened? How, how, did, how did public education become so uh, off track? What happened? Well, you know... Uh, Dr. Dan, I'm going to say something that's a, kind of a, a bold statement, but I'll, I'll back it up after I say it. I believe that we need to abolish the Department of Education. Uh, I believe that once we federalized the Department of Education, it became such a political tool. It was, it was taken to Washington, and now we have these Washington bureaucrats who are telling us, you and me, what our children should learn in school. And I believe that is something that is meant, and you know, I believe that's what the founders intended, but that is something that, that is meant for to be handled on the local level. I think we need to send the power back to the local level, let the states have more power again, and so that we can have states who are saying, who can compete to see who has the best schools. And I really believe, I truly do believe, that once we federalize education, it made it political. And that's just something where politics doesn't need to reside. You know, obviously, uh, the curriculum in public schools that comes out of Washington, D.C., really contains an agenda. And and that's what I find so distressing about it, is that uh, there is an agenda by people who believe in collectivism and a lot of other things that are not truly part of the American uh, philosophy, if you will. Uh, so I think you're very absolutely right that the Department of Education is really why this is all going on, and it is a very powerful department. How do you go about stopping that? Well, you know, I believe that, that, and this is one of the major reasons why I'm running for office, uh, I believe that a problem that we've seen in the Republican Party and with, with a lot of Americans is that the Republican Party has ceased to be able to effectively communicate to my generation, to a lot of the populace. You know, I feel like so many of our politicians just went to Washington, D.C., and they're, they're doing what is right. They vote for laws that are good. They, they try to balance the budget. They do what they can. But at the end of the day, they lost the ideas of people. And I think that's because that we – it's not because the Republicans don't have a compelling message. 
It's just that the Republicans have not been electing compelling messengers, someone who can go out and explain to the people why America is so special, why collectivism is dangerous, why why freedom and the right of the individual is what makes America special. And so I truly believe that we've got to elect somebody who's going to be able to go out, effectively communicate to the people just these ideas that make America special and what I believe really set our country apart. And that's why I'm running for office, Dr. Dan, because I believe we get the, the national conversation back to how do we get America back to its founding? Then what I truly believe is going to happen is that we're going to start to critically analyze what's gone wrong in our government. And what I think has gone wrong is, again, I, I believe the Department of Education is a problem, and I, I just believe the overall size of the government is a problem. I, I think that so many people, you know, under the age of 40 have just been taught that, you know what, you're supposed to just be handed things. You're supposed to, you don't have to go out and work this hard. We should all be working together for the betterment of, of each other. At the end of the day, I believe that that collectivism attitude is what is starting to plague our, our, our society today. I, I agree with you very much, uh, Madison, because uh, that is the message that is coming out of Washington. It's filtered down uh, to the states and, and to the local areas as well. And the Department of Education really has been a major source of collectivist ideology uh, by the books that, pe- that kids read when they're in school, by the teachers themselves, um, most of whom are collectivists. Uh, in philosophy as well. So these are the kind of problems that an elected official going to Washington has to address on behalf of freedom of the individual. You're absolutely right. Uh, Again, we've got to protect the idea of freedom of the individual. We've got to just elect people who are willing to go up there and have a backbone to stand up to these Washington politicians who seem to just continually crush these conservative politicians. But, you know, I, I always guess that we need to send somebody up to Washington with a backbone that I literally have one that's reinforced with titanium. And so I, I feel as if I, uh, I'm going to be able to go up there and, and withstand the, the pressures that I'm going to face from this far left radical agenda group that it seems to just steal so many of our politicians to the left. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. In everything. Everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. 
Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. You know, I love history. Ancient history right up to today. I love to study the cycles, the repetitive cycles that happen. Seems like they happen over and over again. The last hundred years, however, are especially fascinating. How rapid that change has been. It's been exponential. Uh, You know, my generation, you can call me the Vietnam-era generation, our generation is, uh, has seen a lot of incredible changes, and we kind of bridged at interesting eras. Most of us have grandparents and or parents who lived through the Great Depression, World War II, and Korea, and those experiences colored their lives. And we were raised based on those experiences that, this, that they had, their work ethic, saving for tomorrow, patriotism, individual freedom, constitutional rights, morality, and probably most important, uh, the reliance on religion and a belief in God. From our perspective today, from our generation, my generation's perspective today, we see so many younger Americans who are missing those values, those values that we know are so important to the survival of the concept of individual freedom. That's what the, the battle is today. The battle is individualism versus collectivism. And it's an important battle because it's going to determine whether you make decisions for your life or whether the government is making the decisions for you. But there is hope. And that is why I am so very proud and honored to introduce to you my guest on Freedom Forum Radio, Madison Cawthorn. Now, in a nutshell, Madison Cawthorn was raised correctly. I might also say he was raised right. Uh, And he's going to tell you about how he was raised because that's an important part of who he is. But to me, after reading a lot about him, and I'll explain to you why in a second, but Madison Cawthorn is a shining example of what we should all hope for in the generation of Americans who plan to take over the helm of the American ship of state. And that's why he's with me on Freedom Forum Radio. It's also because he is in a runoff election on June 23rd for the GOP primary for Congress in North Carolina's 11th District. And that's an important thing because he is one of those young Americans who we look to to take over the the reins of our country and because we know they were raised right and they have that sense of moral values, belief in God, and an understanding of the Constitution and the natural law rights that it secures and protects for all of us. So Madison Cawthorn, welcome as a guest 
on Freedom Forum Radio. Dr. Dan, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to get to be here. Well, Madison, at the very top of your website is the following statement. I'm a fighter. I'm running for Congress because I believe America is worth fighting for. Madison, tell us about your personal history. I know it's a compelling story of courage and perseverance in the face of real and true adversity. Well, you know what I've got to say? Uh, as you said, I, I, I believe I was raised right. I was also raised in a very comfortable environment. I uh, had a wonderful family. I had a wonderful community. I was, I was healthy. Uh, life was absolutely, in my, my mind, it was, it was just an oyster for me to take. Uh, and my goal growing up throughout was to go to the United States Naval Academy. And so when I was a senior in high school, I got nominated to go there by Congressman Mark Meadows. And I'll tell you, I thought I had made it. I thought everything that I wanted to accomplish was done. And then uh, I was on a road trip celebrating just with, with several of my friends. Or, and what my friend was driving the vehicle. And then he fell asleep at the wheel. Uh, we ran into a concrete wall. And I'll tell you. That really started the battle of my life. I was in a hospital for about a year and a half, and I'm now paralyzed from the waist down. But it was a battle of survival, and it was a battle of fighting. That, that's given me a, a real sense of perseverance, and it's really hardened my will. And so I think that makes me capable to be able to go to Washington and fight for the things that we all hold dear. You know, it's a very compelling story because, like I said, your life was on a trajectory of positive success. You had your dream shining in your future. You were looking out the window at, I've done it, I'm on my road that I chose for myself. And then a tragic accident changed all that. You know, so many people would fold up their tents and kind of give up, but you didn't. And that's what I really think is so exceptional and important for people to understand about you, Madison. Well, Dr. Dan, thank you. And I, I've got to say, that was a, I was, it was a mixture of a, a, a personal fire that lives within me that makes me want to, to never give up, to never, never fail. But it was also a concept of how I was raised. I was raised with a no-quit mentality. I was, I was taught that, life, that, that good things do come to those who wait and who are patient, but good things really come to those who make things happen. And, you know, I'll tell you, when I was sitting in the hospital and I was having to decide, you know what, am I going to let this beat me or am I going to rise up and take life head on? Uh, my life really turned around since then. I, I, I started two successful companies. I'm a motivational speaker. I have a real estate investment firm. And I, I'm very happy to live back in uh, the mountains where I grew up. And now my life is, is going in a very positive direction. But you know what I see, Dr. Dan? is I see our country is not on the same trajectory. Uh, You were talking about how much earlier, how much you love history. And, you know, I'm also a lover of history, but I I feel like the concepts that make America so great are nothing really that's new. And I feel like so many people in my generation are wanting to reinvent the wheel. I mean, we we got our system of government from from Athens. We got uh, from from ancient Greece. We got our Judeo-Christian laws from Jerusalem. We got our understanding of how to how to enforce those laws and how to run a republic from Rome. You know, it's, it's, it's this long viewpoint of history that we've used to create such a wonderful country that I think our founding fathers really just combined all the best aspects of so many different cultures that has created our country and then has made our country so great. 
There is no time that has been better in the history of the world with more peace or more prosperity since the end of World War II and since America's had its hand on the helm. You know, what you've said obviously uh, speaks to me and it speaks to the people who will be listening uh, to this program because we understand that there is a concept that our founders had for us. For centuries, monarchs, kings, dukes, duchesses, whatever, ruled the world. They owned everything. Uh, Regular people had no ownership of property. They had you know, they basically may have had an, a horse to ride or a, a sword or a, a hut to live in and pots and pans or whatever. But the concept of being able to own private property is is one that our founders understood. It was one of those rights, uh, natural law rights, that inured to everyone by dint of their birth. No, you're, you're absolutely right, Dr. Dan. Uh, that I believe that you know, the ability to own private property is, is so important. And that's, it's almost as if when our founding fathers created our system of government, created our country, they realized how important it was for every single man to be the king of his own life and to have his own castle. And, you know, I, I believe that's what owning a, owning a piece of property is. It might not be as regal or as elegant as, as Buckingham Palace, but at the end of the day, our private property that we own as citizens is each and every single one of us own castle. You know, the the credo of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum uh, and Freedom Forum Radio is, is this, the right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily regulated or confiscated by the government is the moral and constitutional basis for individual freedom. That's why that is so important. Don't you agree, Madison? No, I absolutely do agree. I, I think that is what you said is absolutely correct. And, you know, that's the reason why I'm such a large supporter of, of our Constitution. I believe the rights that were given to us and enshrined in our Constitution, all of our founding documents, uh, really enumerate what we have and what we, how we keep it. I believe that's why the Second Amendment is so important. I mean, we, we have the ability to defend ourselves. So we have the right to have a well-regulated militia and, and to, to bear arms. And so let's say that if at any day the, the government decided that, hey, you know what, now we are going to arbitrarily start regulating and start taking away private property. We as citizens have the right to be able to stand up and say, no, that is not what it is. The Constitution was written to restrain government. The Constitution was not re- written to restrain the citizens. And I was a big studier of John Locke, the, the, the author from Europe before the founding of America. And, you know, in his, uh, in his work talking about the social contract, he really talks about how important it is for us to be able to own private property. And I think that what the reason for that is, is because that, that enables the, us to say, no, this is ours. The government cannot have this. And so I, I believe that to, to have a successful republic, to have a republic that thrives, we have to have an armed, an armed citizenry. Well, the Second Amendment, uh, of course, is just one of the uh, rights in the Bill of Rights. To me, uh, the Constitution is kind of like the operating manual for the federal government. But the Bill of Rights is what sets out the relationship between that government and the individual people, uh, obviously the states, but also the individual people who inhabit each state. So when you're talking about the Bill of Rights, you're talking about the right of free speech, the right to assemble, the right to petition your government for redress of grievances. Obviously, the Second Amendment is the teeth part 
of the Bill of Rights, but the most important or certainly equally as important in the Bill of Rights as what I also mentioned, the First Amendment, are the Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendments, which are the ones of due process. When you look at dictatorships, those are the rights that are taken away. You cannot in this country supposedly be spirited away by the government hidden in a prison somewhere uh, for the rest of your life without, uh, without due process. I believe that all of our rights are, are essential. I, I mean, it, what the American experiment has shown is that when you give the power to the people, it, 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 it's almost as if you're, you're crowdsourcing your ideas. You're enabling everyone to be their own king, to be able to direct their own passage of their life. And I think that's why we see such success whenever we have private organizations who are running companies instead of these major government-run uh, agencies. And so, you know, that that's why I'm really against the size of government. In my opinion, I think the government has become very overgrown. I think that we have so many, I mean, it, you know, just take, for example, if you take any three letters of the alphabet and throw them together, you most likely have some agency that is designed to restrain what you and I can or cannot do. And so I believe the government's grown too large. And I think they're starting to encroach on some of our rights and especially our right to due process, like you were talking about, how, when they are just so important. 